Hey, what's up, guys? This is Dion Brown, and you are listening to Man vs. Brand. Uh, today, I have a really cool guest. So I have Daniel Blue. Daniel is the CEO of Quest Education, and Daniel comes to us with a pretty compelling story. There was a period in Daniel's life, and I'll let him tell it to you guys, where he was facing a fork in the road. He had to make some decisions about his life and where the direction of his life would go. And unfortunately, I believe that Daniel made some really smart choices. But we know that in life, as person uh, that is always searching for deeper meaning, right? We, we know that these forks in the roads, they come pretty often. There are periods of time where our paths diverge, where we decide whether to go left or go right, and that will often determine what's next. I don't care if you're an entrepreneur, if you're building a family, if you're building a team, if you're a leader of an organization, there's always these pivotal moments, right? Where you have to figure out what's going to be next. So Daniel's gonna to talk to you guys about what that looked like for him in his life and his family's life, but also what it could look like for your finances, for your growth, for being the best version of you possible. So with that said, we're going to hit this intro in five, four, three, Still two, trying to one. figure out the keys to life? Well, according to the locks, it's money, power, and respect. Learn to gain or grow these three concepts with Dion Brown and his podcast. With 20 years of expertise in guiding and coaching businesses and brands at the highest level, Dion is having the conversations that can lead to your big breakthrough. Welcome, and let's begin. All right, I'm going to hand this over to Daniel and let him introduce himself. Daniel, what's going on, buddy? Dion, thank you for having me. Is uh, I loved your introduction. You got you got a DJ voice, brother. You got a, a radio voice, so uh, I can see why you've got a, a great podcast. You just, you just you're natural, man. I definitely appreciate it, man. I definitely appreciate it. So we were introduced on a platform uh, where we had the opportunity uh, for you to pitch kind of what your world looked like, and for me to do the same. So why don't you tell the listeners, you know, what's your background? Um, what are you currently doing? Who's Daniel? Yeah, so I own a company that helps people access money in their 401ks and IRAs, NLT and tax-free. And we do some pretty cool stuff. Like during COVID, we helped a lady start a school. Her whole dream was to start a school. And during COVID, the education system got rocked. She saw an opportunity to launch an online school perfect timing, right? And uh, she needed about $40,000 in capital to get that school going. We helped her tap into her retirement account penalty and tax-free, and she used money from her retirement account to fund her school, fund her dream business, and her school's crushing it. So doing things like that really make a big impact. It fills my purpose. That's what we do here for Quest Education, our company, our customers in all 50 states. So it's really awesome. However, finance wasn't something that I dreamed of doing. It wasn't something in school when the first grade, fourth grade teacher is going around the room and what do you want to be when you grow up? And your friend says a police officer and your other homie says a doctor. And then they ask me and finance is my answer. That, that wasn't the case. I enjoyed playing sports. I had a pretty normal life going into elementary, middle school, but my situation really changed when I turned 12 years old. My parents got divorced. I know it's not a big deal. Everyone's parents mostly get divorced. Trauma is so trauma though, right? Like whatever that looks like. Yeah, I mean, but it was unique in the sense that my dad moved to Mexico and now it was just my mom and I. And that really tore me because I was really tight with my dad. And I didn't have any answers. I didn't know why he left, why he didn't come back. All I know is just my mom and I. And when you're 13, 14 years old, you think you know everything, right? You're going through puberty. And I was seeking other people to kind of fill the void that my dad left. So I started just looking up to the wrong people, hanging out with the wrong crowd, ditching school, making bad choices, really making things difficult for my mom. And I, I stumbled through high school. I uh, felt like I was one of those kids that was able to like sleep during class and not do homework, but show up and get a B on a test, just trying, barely trying, right? So I, I barely stumbled through high school. So it's not like I come to you where it's like, yeah, I've got this great financial company and I've got customers in all 50 states and I got a degree at UCLA in economics and 
you know, my parents, you know, used to work for Morgan Stanley. Um, you don't have an entrepreneur or a financial background. I just kind of fell into this, this place of entrepreneurship in the financial space. And it really came out of just not wanting to live a certain way. When my mom was raising me, we lived paycheck to paycheck. And I remember thinking 15, 16, 17 years old, dude, this is not how I want to live. Number one, I want to pay my mom back because she's just my hero. Two, I don't want to live paycheck to paycheck. So how can I find a way to not stress financially? And sales was that way. I, I found sales at 18 years old. I made some really good money in sales. And through sales, I was in the real estate world. And I got introduced to this concept of using your retirement account to invest outside the stock market. And years ago, I was hearing people say that they use their retirement account to flip house, buy a rental property. And I'm thinking, this is cool. I thought retirement accounts were just for stocks, mutual funds. I had no idea you could use a retirement account to flip a house. So this whole concept of self-directed retirement accounts was introduced to me 10 years ago. I knew it was something I eventually wanted to take action on. And the kind of the stars were aligned where I took action on about seven years ago. I worked for a company for a number of years. And then about four years ago, I made the move to start my own company. And, uh, you know, like any entrepreneur listening to this right now there's some days where you're like man i'm a baller this is great i can't believe i started this and i should have done this a long time ago and then there's other days where you're like dude what am i doing i'm about to go live with my mom like my business is going to fall apart right like that's just that's just business yeah. right there's ups yeah. and downs so you know that's a kind of a little synopsis on uh you know what i what i'm doing and, and what, I've, what i've done all right so there's a lot there to unpack we kind of went through i think three separate conversations and i'm actually interested in uh investigating each of the three so i want to start in the beginning uh with the woman that you helped to open a school right so you helped her to open an online school uh what's that process look like like what's the ideal candidate like who are you looking for what what do they need to have set up financially what do they know don't they know in order for them to recognize that coming to you would be a great asset for them. Yeah, so if you've got a 401k from an old job or an IRA, and you've got over $30,000 in that account, and the idea of accessing your retirement account penalty and tax rate appeals to you, then your wheels might be turning and it's a matter of what would you want to use that money for? Because we're conditioned beyond think a certain way. Wall Street wants us to think this is money you can't touch. It's money you can access down the road. You're 60, 65 years old. Then you can touch the money. And they use a lot of these fear tactics like don't touch the money because you're going to pay penalties and taxes because there's a financial incentive behind it, Right. Wall Street makes money based off of assets under management. The more money they have under their umbrella, the more fees they make. Yep. This lady pulling $40,000 from her retirement account penalty and tax-free to start her business, that doesn't make her financial advisor money, right? So that's why you probably haven't heard of this strategy. And I do want to address, there's the other side, right? There's risk with everything. This lady's school could have failed. Right? You could have lost money in stocks, right? There's always risk. So you do have to be calculated. That's why I love what we do. We're not financial advisors. We don't sell investments. We sell solutions, right? What's an issue? What's a problem you have going on right now? Is it you need some capital? Is it you need some funding for your business? Maybe you've got over $20,000 in credit card debt and you're paying 20% interest. Meanwhile, your retirement account is making you 8% a year. Well, what if you could take some of the money that's making you 8% a year over here, take that out penalty and tax-free and pay off debt that's costing you 20%? That might be an avenue worth exploring, right? So it's a matter of helping people understand that this is all public information. Everything I'm describing isn't some like new marketing strategy and it's this new retirement account and it just came out last year. No, this is IRS publication, IRS code. All of this stuff is Googleable. I just made up that word, but nah, it's all good. I do that all the time. This information online, but most people are really busy with their lives, right? Most of our customers are 40, 50 years old, 60 years old. They've got kids, grandkids, they're working a nine to five, maybe they got a business, they're taking their kids to soccer practice. Like they're busy. They're not trying to watch a course five hours a week to learn all this, right? So those are the kinds of people that, that we want to be able to help 
where we want to help you get from point A to point B. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Uh, so listen, I, I want to talk a little bit about your story now, right? So I said three parts. That was the first. The second is your story. So, so you mentioned uh, the hardships, whether it's self-inflicted or by circumstance that occurred while you were growing up, right? And, and you found yourself in a sales capacity and you mentioned that you got into real estate. And, and a lot of my listeners are real estate agents. I ran Keller Williams in New York. Um, and so uh, a lot of my network sits in that space also. Uh, I think what's interesting is that sales in particular, specifically commission-based sales, uh, can become a, a great equalizer for individuals, right? You, you just, you need to have tenacity, hustle, emotional intelligence, and you can do really well regardless of what you're selling. So, so what, what sort of clicked for you while you were going through the, the post high school into sales mind frame that said, hey, this could be an actual business for me, or this could be something that I could pursue in the future? So for me, it really came down to mistakes. I didn't get this playbook of, of people that were like, hey, you should do this, not this, or take these steps to get these results. My mom gave me a lot of sage wisdom because she has a lot of life experience. She was a social worker, child protective service, uh, worked for 30 plus years. I mean, she's gone down to, you know, the jail and interviewed a, a father that got pulled over um, because he was high on meth and he fell asleep and his two-year-old kids in the back seat and now the cops took the kids took them to foster care and now this guy's in jail now my mom's got to interview him and, and try, to, try to help the situation right so she got a lot of like street smarts and, and wisdom that she shared with me but other than that it was a matter of me touching the stove and getting burned and doing that enough times to eventually start learning so for me I never was around a lot of money. So when I was 18 years old, I made just shy of $100,000. It was like $90,000. That was life-changing money for me. The year after was six figures and every year after that was six figures. And I spent more than I made because I've never had strong financial principles. I never had that kind of money before. So I did a lot of dumb things, right? I bought a Range Rover. I bought a house in 2008, right at the, at the peak of the market. And, and we know the end of that story, right? I got crushed, got had a short sale. So during all this, I'm like, I don't need credit. Right? I didn't have cash. Credit cards are dumb. I don't need credit. Uh, I don't need an LLC, right? I don't need someone to help me with my taxes, right? So I'm doing all of these things on top of being a knucklehead, spending more than I'm making. And all of this led to eventually me being in a really bad place financially. And there's only a couple of things that are going to happen when you find yourself there, right? You're either going to stay down and always just be down and it's always someone else's fault but yourself or you're going to learn make changes make tweaks and keep pushing forward and eventually i started making those changes and i started saving more than i was making i started investing money i started you know setting up an llc and maximizing my tax strategies uh, i built up my credit score and the whole time you know i'm running sales teams i'm closing deals you know i'm doing well in sales that was something that I grew from sports. I like being in the trenches with my team. I think there's a lot of parallels between sports and sales and sports and business. So, you know, now it's really coming together. And I'm about 24, 25 years old. And I remember thinking, man, I'm, I'm running the sales department with this company and I'm bringing in it's a lot of revenue. Plus, I'm managing the sales department. And I don't care if you're Apple or Keller Williams, like sales drives business, right? I'm not saying operations is inferior and operations sucks. We need operations, but sales is such a crucial component. And I thought, man, if I can do this myself within a company, I want to start my own business. Like I'm really competitive and, and sometimes I'm stubborn and I make bad choices, but I felt like I'm willing to take this risk. Let me gamble on myself. Let me max out my credit cards at 0% interest. Let me empty out my savings. Let me tell my wife, hey, babe, I want to start a business. 
And this might really be a bad choice where we're going to have to take a few steps back. And if it doesn't work, I just go work somewhere else. Or like this is going to be a vehicle to help accomplish our goals. And we're going to have to be willing to take a haircut financially because starting a business I know is not going to be roses and rainbows every single day. So I had that kind of conversation with my wife. Uh, and I felt like I had the chips on the table to make a move. And I made that move four years ago. So those were some of the things going in my head, you know, when I took that, that step. All right. Awesome, man. Uh, so just to break this down for the folks that's listening, some of the things that I'm hearing in what you're discussing is uh, uh, reliance on experience-based learning, meaning that you're, you're not only looking at the experiences of others, reading books, listening to podcasts, you're also really focusing on what you're going through, right? What you have learned, what you have figured out, what you did wrong and right in order to move you to the next step. A lot of folks don't believe in experience-based learning. They think they just keep doing the same thing the same way. It's going to eventually get to a different result. Uh, and we know that experience-based learning gets us to where we need to be. You mentioned the conversation with your wife. To me, that's a social contract. So, so we talk about this on this podcast where you have to come into agreement with the people in your life to understand the types of commitments you'll be making especially when you start a business, right? So you had the right conversation so that everyone's informed about what's about to happen financially, emotionally, spiritually, physically, time-wise, right? Everyone has to be on the same page to understand the type of venture you're about to enter into, not only in a business sense, but also in a personal sense. Lastly, uh, I think that there's also this idea of, of betting on yourself, right? And, and, and really, uh, looking at yourself as your primary resource. How can I be effective? How can I make a change in my life, right? Not looking towards exterior, external options in order to validate, looking at yourself, diving within and figuring out, do you believe in yourself enough to take the chance? Is that a good summary of, of kind of some of the points that you were discussing? Because I, I want to make sure that we dig into some stuff for the folks listening. Yeah, for sure. You know, there, uh, there, there's a lot to be said if you can have a good foundation at home and be in a good place personally with the people that matter the most, like your wife and your kids, your, your spouse, your significant other, because we've all had a fight with our significant other. And then you got to jump on a sales call or you have a fight and you got to go in the office and deal with an employee. Like, dude, that's stuck. Right. So I try to limit that as much as I can. And a way to do that one for me is going to therapy. I'm just going to keep it real. I really wanted to go see a therapist during COVID because, and that, that shit was rough. And, and I don't know if I can cuss on this podcast, but no, you're good. You're good. You know, I, I went from seeing my employees every single day and going in their office, and giving them apps and just having team meetings. And all of a sudden now I'm sending Google chats and emails and it's like, man, this shit sucks. It's, it really, really hurt our synergy. And uh, I just was just kind of in a funk. And I really wanted to see a therapist during that time. And I wasn't able to. I swear I called the unknown joke like 10, 15 different therapists that uh, were a part of our healthcare um, and our medical insurance that, you know, the company provides. And like none of them were picking up or they're all booked. So I'm sure they were just, you know, super, super slammed. And, uh, but, but therapy has been huge for me because, it helps me get a perspective that's not biased, right? They're not my friend. I don't have history with them. They're not a business owner. I'm not saying like, find a therapist that's not a business owner. Like I legit found a therapist that is a minority. She's older than me. She's married. And she's a woman. Like, those were the checks that I wanted. And I say minority because I'm Mexican. My wife's Filipino. And my wife is like super conservative. Like, just to give you an example, $10,000, she wants that in the bank account making 0.0001% because it's safe. Yes. And I'm like, okay, where can we put this $10,000 and make money? She's like, well, you could lose money. I'm like, well, you're losing money. The money just sitting in your bank account because there's this thing called inflation. She's like, well, it's not ri at risk. You know, so we, we just go back and forth, but that's who she is. So starting this business, you can imagine when I'm maxing out credit cards and I went from making solid money as an employee so now it's unpredictable and I'm, I'm an employer. You can imagine there's just some, some challenges there. So I really had to make sure that, that we were on point. So therapy has been something that 
I feel like it's been a part of my life for a long time. And I try to get feedback from, you know, a therapist that uh, has a different perspective because I've got these dude lenses, like this perspective where I see things just through my eyes as a male. And I forget how different females are, especially someone that's not entrepreneurial driven like I like myself. She's not a risk taker like me. That doesn't make her less of a person. We're just completely different, but it works for us. Absolutely. I mean, I'm a big believer in therapy. Uh, I found that the circumstances that drove me to success were ultimately contributing to my unhappiness. Like I was driven by competition. I was driven by fear. I lost my parents when I was young, just kind of a little bit of my backstory. And, uh, uh, those things were creating fractures in relationships, right? It wasn't until I got therapy that I figured, hey, there's actually another way, right? That you can show up in your business really well, but also show up for the people who care about you really well too, right? Like you don't, you don't have to funnel all of that energy in one specific way in order to get your results. And I, I know a lot of folks that I speak to uh, feel that way, right? Like there's one way to approach the business. They have to be aggressive. They have to be, you know, they have to be short. They have to be mean. They have to put up barriers. They can't make real connections. And then they go to therapy and they're like, wait, there's a whole different way that I could approach this life in this business and still get the same, if not better results. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's a stigma. A lot of people are embarrassed to say they go to therapy or to sit down and be vulnerable. And there's things I can tell my therapist that I don't tell anyone else, maybe it's my wife, right? So you have to be willing to open up because if you just hold that in and it festers, it really is just like toxic waste that you're just leaving in your body and it never leaves and you can't go to the sauna and just sweat that shit out like you really have to talk through this with somebody and, and that's what's helped me that's amazing man so so let's talk about your transition into quest right so you said that you were working for a company i believe that was very similar uh in business concept and then you decided to go into your own business right Yep. So did you start this from scratch? Did you bring your team over? Uh, what was that transition like going from one model that I imagine you function really well in into your own model? Yeah, so I was really blessed to have a team. And uh, so we didn't essentially have to start from scratch because we had a team. And a big reason why we had a team is networking. And you're a real estate agent right now or you're in sales or it doesn't matter where you are. If you've got five people that you can call right now and say, hey, I've got this opportunity going on and this is what it looks like. I know you and I can jam. I trust you. I would love for you to come jump ship and let's rock and roll. Like, let's, let's, let's run this together. And if you've got five people that you can call and there's a really good chance that they're going to come work with you because they trust you, that's massive. That, that's huge. And I've been blessed to have a lot of that growing up and, and during my, my working years, because you never know, never, number one, don't ever burn bridges. I like, it's, it's crazy. I, I have done business with somebody, me being the employer, me being the business owner with a previous owner, uh, someone I worked with, someone I worked for, right? And, and then one example that comes to my mind, I, I left him, I left his company to do something else. And he was a little upset in the very beginning because it's like he's losing one of his main players. Of course, you know, it's going to rub him the wrong way. But I was just real with him. I was just very straightforward and explaining why I was leaving and uh, stayed in contact. And then years go down the road and now we're doing business together. Right? So it's a small world. You, you never know what the future is going to look like. So having a, a team that I can rely on has, has been really, really massive. And it comes down to just being direct with people and, and building trust and, and having a reputation. We, we all have a brand. We all have a reputation. You might not be posting on social media all the time. So when you think of a brand, you might not think, well, I don't really have a brand. Like, I don't really, you know, I'm not known on Instagram and I don't have all these followers. I, I'm not talking about that. You have a brand. Are you a flake? Are you dependable? Are you wishy-washy? Are you someone that, you know, uh, is, is, is very blunt and people know that you speak your mind? Like, 
so your brand and 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 that's really important to remember because that's going to be something that people remember and it sticks in their mind when you are building a team when you are building a company because you can't do it on your own you, you have to have other people along the way absolutely I, i've said this here and i'll say it again because i think this is an important and relevant part of what you just discussed a brand isn't so much of what you say about yourself. It's what other people say about you. It's you, you are the summary of others' thoughts. So you can say that you are reliable, uh, you have great customer service, uh, you're friendly, you're dependable. But if the market says otherwise, that's your brand. Your brand isn't the logo and your tagline. The brand is what people say about you. And, and so... Having a powerful brand is really about having powerful testimonies about how great your company, your team, uh, you are as an entrepreneur, business owner, leader, what have you, right? It's, it's what people say about you and being able to capitalize on those conversations, right? And, and, and able to, to get those conversations and put them in the right perspective, not only creates the brand for you, but it also creates advocates who will tell other people and inform others about how great of a job you're doing. So, you know, when you're thinking about your brand, really think about what others are saying about you and double down on that. Like you might be a little aggressive. Well, hell, that makes you a good negotiator, right? That means that you're going to be aggressive for your clients, right? So there's ways of taking things that may not seem favorable and really spinning it into something that works positively for you if it's in line with what you're actually doing. All right. Yeah. Cool. Wait, I, I want to I get to, to what you were saying about the five folks. So five people on your team. Let's talk about trusted advisors in a financial setting, right? So, so I'm an entrepreneur. What folks do I need around me to ensure that financially my business is going to be in a good space? I've heard different iterations of this from financial advisor to just an accountant to a tax preparer, accountant, personal accountant. What's your take on that? Like, who are some of the central figures that you need in order for your business to be in a healthy place financially? So one, what's been very helpful for me is being a part of masterminds where I can be surrounded by other entrepreneurs that are doing things on a higher level, right? I've got a single company. I am 32 years old and we do low seven figures. If I can pick up the phone or if I can be at a mastermind event and ask a question to someone that has three companies and they're 35 years old or maybe they're 28 years old, maybe 300 and they're doing $10 million a year and I've got 13 employees and they've got 30 employees and I ask them a question about business, I'm listening, right? They've been where I've been. And that's, they've been where I am now. And that's massive. The CPA thing, man, I'll give you an example today. So we set up what are called self-directed 401ks, self-directed IRAs. And I literally overheard this conversation. One of our customers was like, hey, I just got to call my CPA. And he said, there's no such thing as a self-directed 401k. I'm like, bro, there's a thing called Google. Yeah. Tell him to Google this. It's IRS approved. So CPAs, a lot of them are outdated. Man. A lot of these financial advisors, they're outdated. And I'm not saying that makes them malicious. It's just, they don't know what they don't know. 2022, there's a lot of things I don't know. Insurance strategies, tax strategies. That's why I want to be in a room with movers and shakers where I'm exposed to other things that I haven't even heard about. So to answer your question directly, I'm going to give you the, all right, well, the first person you need to have is a bookkeeper and then you need to have an attorney and then you need to have a, a CPA and financial advisor. I mean, it just depends on the situation, but I would rather have access to a bunch of other people that I can work with. Like I'll give you an example, the PPP, Right? No, a lot of people didn't know about the PPP and how to get money from the CARES Act during the whole COVID situation. Yep. Right? A lot of, a lot of uh, CPAs were scrambling and financial advisors were scrambling because they didn't know how to deal with the SBA and the portal was shut down and how to get PPP money. Man, I was part of that mastermind and that was massive. Right? I was able to get connections and I was able to get insight on different things. So 
I always encourage people to invest in the mastermind programs, invest in the coaching programs, because you're around other people that are committed, that have skin in the game. And they're there for a reason because they want to serve and they want to obviously learn and get better and grow. But then you're going to find yourself, so find yourself in a position where you're around other entrepreneurs that are a higher caliber than you are. And you can get help, but then you also got to go in there with how can I get back to? So but those are, that's been a game changer for me. All right, cool. Listen, I mean, there are definitely things that, you know, your financial advisor, your CPA just might not be aware of or, or that they divulge immediately. We hope that we're surrounded around trusted advisors, but I like your answer. The idea that, you know, being around, uh, people who are at different stages of their business growth as business owners uh, can inform you about uh, what they're doing that's right. But also, uh, to your point earlier about learning from your mistakes, what they did that's wrong, right? Because you can learn a lot from things that didn't go right with the next person and not fall into those same traps. So I think it's awesome. Yeah, and, and, and I think you can have best of both worlds, right? Like I've got an attorney. We've got an attorney that helps us with disclosures and making sure that we're on the straight and narrow. Uh, we also have a CPA, yep. right? And there's financial advisors that I trust that we, you know, we work with. So, I mean, we have, like, the best way is we've got the traditional kind of old school team that serves its purpose, but we're not 30 years ago where 20 years ago, the only self-development was let me get Tony Robbins to send me a mixtape and let me put this cassette in the, the cassette player and let me hear self-development. That was the extent. Or let me go to the library and pick up an encyclopedia and learn about business. Or let me go to a college and get an MBA. And I'm not saying those things don't work, but, and the greatest part is now we're in 2022 and there's just an abundance of resources out there and you should be taking advantage of them. Absolutely. Hit every pathway available to you to get to whatever your, your end result will be. All right. So uh, when, you're, when you're talking to individuals and you're talking about the opportunities that Quest Education provides, what's your feedback? Do folks typically know that this exists? Are they surprised by it? Like, what's the feedback? Because I imagine that this is life-changing for some individuals, right? Um, what's, your, what's your feedback? Yeah, a lot of it's, man, how come I've never heard about this before? You know, so it's the, it's too good to be true. And that's why we have to really make sure that we can provide education, social proof, credibility in the marketplace, backing it up by facts. That's the good thing is this is all IRS approved. So it's really making sure that we can explain things thoroughly because we're taking a complex situation, a complex kind of service, and we got to simplify it, right? Yep. Our demographic who we're after, again, like I mentioned earlier, they're 35 to 60 years old. They come from corporate. They're busy with their family. They're not trying to, again, go get a degree in economics and learn about retirement accounts, right? So we've got to be able to dumb it down and simplify things and really take our time and, and educate them. And be able to, and this is something I, I learned from Gary Vee, and it's something that really has resonated with me, is we give the game for free, right? If you're someone that has a retirement account and you like the idea of accessing it penalty and tax-free, and let's just say you end up on the phone with my team, we're going to explain how it works, what it entails, what steps you need to take from A to, a to Z. And at the end of that conversation, and it's going to be a couple of conversations, it's not just you know, 15 minute call, wham, bam, you know, it's, it's going to be a couple conversations. You're either going to move forward with us and become a customer of ours, or you're going to say, Hey, you know what? Now's not the right time. Or, you know what? I got my cousin down the street. He does the same thing. I'm going to take what you taught me and I'm going to set up an account with him. That's cool. I get that. That's the game that we play. We're willing to take that chance because we would rather give someone a lot of value for free and then be like, Holy cow, they freaking wowed me. This is the solution I've been looking for, and I haven't even paid any money yet. Imagine if I give these guys money and I pay what I'm going to get. So, and, and, and we've taken that, that style, and that's worked, with, worked for us over here. All right, cool. 
in this era of like Instagram, YouTube, buy my, um, buy my approach, buy my program and get to financial freedom, right? In this era where everyone has a financial cookbook, 12 step program, um, just do this one thing and you'll be rich in, you know, five days. Uh, how do you set yourself apart in terms of credibility when so many folks are just selling uh, financial literacy programs left and right? I think one is know your audience. So my audience isn't, hey, let me rent a Lambo and act like I'm the shit. Yeah. I I'm just going to be who I am. So I'm somebody that drives a Honda Accord. I, luckily, and this goes back to my story earlier, I had a Range Rover. Right? I had nice cars, but I'm spending $1,500 a month plus $600 a month insurance. I couldn't imagine the gas on that thing now. I don't like cars enough to spend that kind of money. So I would rather drive a Honda, and I call it a Honda Roddy, and that, that suits me. So I do think my lifestyle and how I portray myself, the real me, Yep. It, it probably resonates more with someone that's 40, 56 years old, has a family, right? I'm married. I've got a 13-year-old daughter. So I think, number one, know who your audience is. And hopefully who you truly are when no one's looking is the same person that you are on social media, how you portray yourself. And there's some alignment there. And number two, it does help to have some credibility in the marketplace. Right? I, I wrote a book. It's an Amazon bestseller. Blueprint to Your Best Retirement is the title of it. And I give the game away in that book. It teaches you step-by-step step how to access your retirement account penalty and tax-free. It doesn't just kind of tease it and then say, hey, buy this $1,000 course and I'll show you the rest. No, you can spend 15 bucks or 20 bucks, whatever it is for Audible, or you can spend $9.99, $9.99 for a paperback book, or you can do the Kindle for a fraction of that and get the information. And that information is designed for you to read it and then take action and see results. I've been blessed to write articles for Forbes. I'm pretty consistent on social media. So to me, it's how you show up, right? I want to show up as someone that can entertain, inspire, maybe make you laugh, make you smile, maybe make you think a little bit more about your situation, give you a new perspective. And then if I can sprinkle in some financial concepts, some financial literacy over a period of time, there could be a point where maybe you have a need for funding a business or you look at your retirement account right now and you're like, holy cow, the stock market's crushing me. Freaking Putin invading Ukraine is making my 401k go down. I don't like the stock market. I remember that Daniel Blue guy said I can access this money penalty and tax free. I want to do something different with my account let me hit them up and see how they can help, right? But that takes time, right? It takes them looking at my posts. Maybe they read my book. Maybe they hear me on your podcast, right? So in the world of social media, I think a lot of people are looking for instant gratification. Let me set up an account. Let me pay someone for followers. Let me make a funnel. And let me expect a bunch of sales right away. And when you're dealing with someone's money or a, a sale that's more intimate, you, you got to show up consistently and play the long game. Yep. Agreed. Absolutely. Uh, so you mentioned that you have a 13 year old daughter, right? Yes. All right. Uh, and so uh, what are you, what type of conversations are you having with her about financial literacy, about entrepreneurship? Like she's watching you. You said you were in your early thirties, I believe. So that would have put you maybe around 1920, let's say when you had her, right? So, so you were growing up and you were also growing this child, right? So, so the person that you are today, what conversations are you having with her about, about the journey that you've taken into understanding financial literacy and understanding entrepreneurship? Man, I don't know if you checked out my Facebook, but it's crazy. Yesterday, I literally posted about your question. And I had the deepest conversation with my daughter than I've ever had my whole life with her yesterday. And keep in mind, she's 13. So she's at the age of, Dad, I don't really want to talk to you a whole lot because I got my friends, right? I got FaceTime. I'm going to go hang out with my friends, right? So she's in, in, in that stage. So yesterday, we go out to eat. We go to dinner. And it was great no phones, and we just start talking, 
and no distractions. And we live in an age where our kids are being exposed to everything, right? Nudity, drugs, all of these polarizing topics, and it's being thrown in their face, right? When I was in eighth grade, and she's in eighth grade, it was way different. So it's a different point in time. So I would rather my daughter learn about some of these things from me than her 13-year-old friend that doesn't know shit, right? So yesterday we talked a lot about the things that you described and a few other things. So, you know, I started asking her, I was like, hey, um, you know, didn't kids do drugs at your school? And she's like, yeah, there's some kids that hit the, the, the weed vape pen. And I said, yeah, that's, that's not that surprising. And she's like, yeah, she's just like, so gross though. Like the smoke is just nasty. Like I would never do that. And then I was like, what about pills? She's like, there's some kids that do pills. She's like, but me and my friends, we really feel bad for them because they're throwing their, their lives away. And um, so I'm just, I'm just listening. I'm just asking. And then she goes on to bring up there's some kids at her school that are gay. And she's in middle school. Yeah. And I said, I said, man, I remember in, in my school, I was in eighth grade when I first saw, or I first heard my friends talking about there was a kid that was gay. And it was like the biggest topic. Like no one knew what that was. What's that? I'm asking her, I'm like, how, how do your uh, schoolmates treat this kid? And she goes, man, they're, they're really nice to him. Like, they, they know that's what he likes. And they're nice. So I was like, man, you're, that's not how it was for me in my school. Like, they put this kid in a trash can. Yeah. And we started joking about that. And she's like, yeah, no, they're nice. She's like, they should be nice. She's like, because, you know, just because someone's gay doesn't mean they're less of a person. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't care who they like or don't like. I know I'm not gay, but, you know, we should treat everyone the same from a human, you know, perspective. I was like, oh, shit, like, this is your 13 What? That's an emotionally so, intelligent daughter, man. <laughs> yeah. And, and then she, then I, I'm like, so I just keep writing this topic. I'm like, uh, I'm like, Bella, have you ever heard of a transgender? And she's like, that where they like, you know, really go beyond that level of threshold, like something a little higher than being gay. I'm like, yeah, yeah in a roundabout way. She's like, yeah. She's like, but, you know, again, back to gays, if they want to make those changes, that's fine, dad. She's like, but, when you're a teenager, when you're a kid, I don't think, you know, you should be changing any of your sex, you know, your sexual organs, sexual organs. Okay, she's 13. Yeah. And I'm just like, holy cow. Like, Wait, what, what, are you, what are you having at this meal? Because I mean, now I'm, I'm interested having, in this whole uh, setting. Like, having, what, what type I'm, of restaurant are you guys at now? Yeah, luckily <laughs> it was like this cool little Japanese place. And there was like three other tables. Being Got used. it. Got and we're eating ramen. So we're like, we're by ourselves, right? Yeah. And then... Um, then she goes on to say, she's like, yeah, one of my friends is, um, you know, we start talking about high school. She's like, you know, I got high school next year. I'm excited about that. She's like, but I'm kind of nervous. I'm like, why? She's like, because kids are really mean in middle school. And I think kids are going to be meaner in high school. I'm like, you're right. You know, kids are, are going to be, you know, they're going to give you a harder time. I mean, kids are just ruthless in general. She's like, yeah. She's like, you know, there's some kids that pick on me and say things about me. She's like, but at the end of the day, I don't even say anything back to them because, you know, most of the time when I look at the swords, when they say these things, and this is literally what she said. She's like, when someone, a kid like makes fun of how I look, she's like, in my mind, I'm like, bro, have you looked how you looked? You know how you look? And she literally uses the word bro. She's 13 yeah. years old kid, yeah. you know? And uh, she's like, you know, I really feel bad for some kids that are getting made fun of a lot. And maybe, you know, they've got a big nose or crooked teeth. And these kids get teased a lot. And she's like, that's just so wrong, Dad. She's like, I can never make fun of somebody because of their looks. She's like, they didn't choose that. They didn't take away the look away. She's like, so that's not cool. And I was like, I'm like shedding a tear at this point. And then, you know, because we're talking about high school, then we go into college. And this kind of goes to entrepreneurship. And she says, yeah, one of my friends, her, her kid, her her parents are going to make her go to school or make her go to college. And she doesn't really want to go to college. She's like, my daughter goes, I don't know if I want to go to college, dad. I said, look, Bella, you, you know my story, right? I didn't go to college and uh, I own a business and you don't have to go to college, right? I support you 100%. If you want to go to college, just make sure there's a reason why you're going, right? And you want to be a veterinarian. If you want to go into, you know, uh, the medical field, make sure there's a reason. And if you're committed and you find some passion and some purpose, then I got your back. But I also have your back if you don't want to go to school. I don't care what you do, Bella. What I don't want to see is I just don't want to see you flipping burgers when you're 26 years old because you're way better than that. Yeah. And, um, and we start talking about money. And uh, we start talking about credit scores. So I like literally explained what a credit score was. And she's like, dad, how come they don't teach this in school? 
I'm like, that's a great question. I said, but that's why your school is your school and I'm your dad. And I'm here to teach you some of the things that you're not going to learn at school. And uh, yeah, it was just a jam packed conversation. And I just was reminded, I said, you know, I got to make a better effort to make time like this because when you have your kid in a one-on-one -on -one environment, man, it's, it's a beautiful thing, but it's hard to do that when we're distracted, right? You're on your phone. She's on her phone. You're busy. She's busy. But, you know, that just really it checked me and it reminded me that I got to do a better job. Absolutely. It also sounds that there is some generational wisdom and learning happening, right? Like you were mentioning sort of your mom's approach with you and just understanding people and having emotional intelligence. And, and then you now added the entrepreneurial and, and financial piece. And so that builds a solid foundation for what her worldview will look like, right? So you have this kind of this, this, this balancing of, of really good perspectives, right? Where you have the, the empathy and the emotional side, and you also have some really sound logic coming in. So good job. Yeah. I think it's a good job. It sounds like it's a good job. Yeah, thanks, bro. I mean, I think as parents, it's a fine line, right? We have to be structured with them, disciplined, and, and they got to know who's boss. But then there's also has to be that relatable aspect where they feel comfortable telling you certain things. I would rather my daughter come to me and say, Dad, I did this, and I'm not proud of it, and I just wanted to let you know that I did this. And her come to me and, and, and seek advice and, and not be afraid to come to me and, and ask me a question or to, you know, just can, can just be able to open up. And I think there's got to be that, that dialogue between the parents and the, and the children. That's how you help me grow. So I was real with her when I talked to her. I said, look, Bella, part of the reason why you're really special to me is you helped me get off drugs. And that's, that's part of my story, Dion. I was addicted to Oxycontin from 18 to 20 years old. And I said, Bella, a big reason why I use drugs and people that you come across in high school and as you get older, if they're abusing drugs or alcohol, a lot of it's because they have prior issues. And I did. I, you know that my dad left me when I was 12 years old. He moved to Mexico and he was out of my life and I was angry with him. And I really adapted, adopted a victim's mentality. I remember, Bella, when I was in high school, I would look at my friends that had a dad. And I would say, why, why do they have a dad? Why, do I, why don't I have a dad? So I resented my dad. And I carried that on, Bella, when I was 18 years old. And, and that's why I was masking my issues with drugs. But part of the reason why you're so special to me, Bella, is because when I had you, when I was 19 years old and I held you in my arms, I remember looking at you and I thought, man, this is so cool. Like, my blood's in your blood. This is what it's like to be a a, a, a father and parent like this is a freaking beautiful thing and I immediately thought this is how my dad must feel and Bella you helped me change my perspective I went from being a victim to being grateful all of a sudden now I thought about my dad in a way of and you know what I had a badass dad from the time I was born at 12 years old he was my soccer coach my basketball coach like he was such a great dad and he loved me. And I know he still loves me to this day. He just made some mistakes. And you know what? He's human. I forgive him. I'm grateful that I even had a dad. But some people don't even have a dad. Or if they have a dad, their dad might be a sucky dad their whole life. So I said, Bella, in life, we can be a victim. And we can think about what was me and, and blame other people and, and just be angry. But ultimately, it's just much better to come from a place of gratitude. And, and, and you helped me with that. And that's when I got real messed. She just gave me a big hug, said we loved each other. And, you know, we left the restaurant. But, you know, I, and that was actually the first time I told her that I was addicted to drugs. But I felt like, you know, it was a good time. She's 13. She's around drugs anyways. I would rather tell her about pills and weed and these other drugs out there. That way she knows what's up. Because, you know, again, she's either going to learn it from school or her friends, or she can learn more about it from me. And I would rather, you know, her learn it from her parents. Absolutely. I think it's, it, this also reflects uh, your, your stance on just learning in general, right? The idea around masterminding is you learn from others in order to inform yourself, but you learn from people that have experienced some things. And so you don't just go to the next person next to you and say, what do you think about that? You go to some folks that have been through some things and, and you get more insight from them. Man, this was a great conversation. Uh, how do you feel? How do you feel after talking about your life in the business? You know, that's, that's, uh, I think you have to find a play, find peace, man. Like that's, I'm, I'm at peace. I, I'm, uh, 
a work in progress. I still have a long way to go, but uh, I know my truth and I feel good about where I'm at, where I'm going. And ultimately that's, that's all we can ask, right? Like no one's perfect. We're going to keep making mistakes, but shoot, if we can find some peace, man, if we can have some happiness and then have some, some ambitions and goals, have some purpose, have some passion. That's, that's what life's about. God is good, right? We're, we're here today. We're doing this podcast. If you're listening to this right now, you're alive. Maybe you have a shitty day. Maybe you've had kind of a rough week, rough month, but man, if you wake up in the morning, that means you have one more day. God willing to you know, make a difference and, and change things. Man, this has been powerful stuff. This is Daniel Blue. Guys, listen, if you want to more, know more information on what you guys can do to take a hold of your financial future, why don't you check him out, Quest Education. Daniel's shared some information about his life, about his journey, about his business, his family. Um, the guy seems trustworthy to me. Uh, he seems like he is transparent, uh, straight shooter, and honest. And those are the type of people that you want managing your money, right? And, and this isn't a sell. This isn't a plug. I think this is just a feeling, right? You, you meet individuals and you say, hey, from this person, I get these things. And, uh, and, and Daniel seems like the real deal. Anyway, this is Dion Brown. You are listening to Man vs. Brand. Daniel, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast, for, for sharing your life with us. Uh, we appreciated you for this hour. Uh, to anyone who's listening right now, please check us out on all social media platforms. And Daniel, if someone wants to reach out to you right now, what's the best way to get in contact with the company? Yeah, best place would be to my website, danielblue.me. That's Daniel Blue, B-L-U-E, just like the color, danielblue.me. And it's a great resource page, a lot of free content. All my social media handles are there. You can find me under Daniel Blue. Uh, and on, on all major platforms. I'm not here in Las Vegas. Pretty sure I'm the only Daniel Blue in Las Vegas. And uh, if you've got a retirement account and the idea of accessing that money penalty and tax-free, it's kind of got your wheels turning. There's a lot of free content, a lot of free information on that website. And then you are more than happy to, you know, we're more than happy to talk to you in terms of uh, you, know, you reaching out to us. And there's a way to do that on the website. All right, cool. So that's Daniel Blue. I'm Dion Brown. That's two Ds. Two colored last names. I appreciate you all for listening to the podcast. This is Man vs. Brand. Thank you guys. Have a great night. Goodbye. If this talk just resonated with you or could help someone you know, follow Dion or his guest on all social media platforms. Till next time. And remember, with any business or brand, give it to your heart, make it real, or else forget about it. See you all soon.